right, welcome back to the podcast today. I have Coach Harjit. He's the head coach at Emmett High School in Idaho. I almost said the wrong state. Coach, thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you, Steve. I appreciate you letting me come on. Two Central Illinois kids just talking ball on a podcast. Yeah, we're we're both from the definition of middle of nowhere. I, I always love it. You know, I see on Twitter. Well, I guess it's X now. People always talk <laughs> about you know how do you how do you know you're from the Midwest and it's the whole the town I'm from nobody knows. So I just pick the next biggest town. Yes. yes. So I tell people all the time. They say, "Where are you from, Coach?" And I'm like, "Oh, I'm from Chicago." And then it always <laughs> backfires because then somebody's from Chicago and they go, "Oh, do you know such and such or this?" And I'm like, "Yeah." So I lied. Right. I'm from two hours south of there, but no one knows where anything is in Illinois. So it's just easier to explain it that way. But you and I are from almost the same place, the the uh, great uh, great city of Champaign, Champaign-Urbana, Illinois. Yeah, pretty close. And I did the same thing. I went to eastern Illinois, and people, when you met from Chicago, they didn't tell you Naperville or Aurora. They said, Chicago, where are you yeah. from? And I said, oh, Champaign. I didn't say my small little town of 500 people. I was like, Champaign. They're sure. like, oh, yeah, we drive by it to get here. I'm like, yeah, that's where I'm from. <laughs> yeah, I, it's just easier to tell people I'm from flyover country, and then I moved to Idaho, which made it even worse because nobody knows where the hell Idaho is. So, well, you put might feel at home a little bit in Idaho, right? Like, isn't that more small town? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, when I took the job here, uh, I was living in Greenville, South Carolina, and I I took the job after a Zoom interview and. Uh, then my wife and I pulled it up on the map and we're like, holy shit, that's a lot further out there than we thought. Like there's yeah. not much left of that, you know? <laughs> um, so it was, uh, it was really a, a weird experience, but uh, it's been, it's been cool. I, it's, I tell people all the time, Idaho. So I've, I've been a head coach in Illinois, Indiana, the Carolinas now in Idaho. And I tell people, they ask me, what's it like living in Idaho? I said, well, basically it's the Midwest with better scenery. Cause you actually okay. like have snowy mountains and stuff, but yeah. same type of people, you know, Boise's the only, you know, real major city here. We're about 30 minutes from there. So, you know, it's got kind of a liberal bit and um, you know, everybody out where we're at is very conservative because we're in rural areas and then you right. get a little bit of suburban and you know, they don't, they don't like the government, but they do like guns is pretty mm -hmm. much what it comes down to. Right. Um, right. You know, and it's, I guess we also have the distinction of we're like one of seven States that has more cows than people. So again, <laughs> I keep telling people, I wouldn't sell people on that, but um, it's really nuts here actually, because now Californians have figured out that they don't pay real property taxes in Idaho compared to Southern California. Right. So half the people here are from California. I mean, almost every day you're just seeing more and more, you know, California plates show up because right. nobody wants to live down there anymore. But uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a lot more mild than you would think. Like where I live is 2,000 feet above sea level, so it barely snows. But okay. the mountains right outside the window I'm sitting at are 6,000 feet. You can go up there and ski six, oh, seven wow. months out of the year. It's an hour from my house. Wow. So it's a really weird. You have all the benefits of snow without actually shoveling it. So it does have Illinois beat in that respect. Yeah. I was going to say, we Illinois, you don't worry about Californians because we have high taxes too. They're not coming here. Yeah. Don't worry about yeah, that. Yeah, they don't know any different. No, no. And it's weird because, like like I said, I grew up you know, by Champagne, went to Eastern. My, I met my now wife at college. She's from in the suburbs. She got a good job in Naperville, so we moved up to the suburbs in 2018. And I'm like, this is a different world even mm -hmm. two hours north. Like. I was oh, yeah. like north of I-80 is Chicago, south of I-80 is Illinois, like like or yeah. like the rest of it. And this place up here is just so different. And then ever since, not politically, but COVID, now it's like completely different where everything is whatever. But 
no country roads. There's this four lane roads. I'm a Chicagoan <laughs> driver now where it's like, yeah. oh, you have to drive 75. All right. We're driving 75. We even in and out. It's just, you know, weird. speaking, speaking of COVID, my, my favorite COVID story. So I, I moved obviously from South Carolina, which is an incredibly conservative, mm-hmm. um, you know, deep red state. And I, I would consider myself a slightly right of center person, I guess. I'm, you know, slightly yeah. more conservative than I am liberal. But um, then I moved to Idaho where I found out what it really means to be ruby red. Like they yeah. like Idaho is basically South Carolina. Hold my beer. Right. Like we are <laughs> the definition of far right. Um, so I always like to tell people whenever they bring up COVID, I'm like, do you know what we did during COVID? And they're like, no, I said. We didn't wear masks. We were not out of school and we mm-hmm. played 13 football games all the way. To, we, we lost in the state championship game during the COVID year. Wow. And we had to wear a mask for two weeks um, after Thanksgiving just to make sure that we didn't spread anything. And then after two weeks, so many people were mad. They're like, yeah, we're done with that. We're not doing COVID anymore. Mm-hmm. So like we basically skipped it in Idaho. We just did not feel like it was a thing. But Oregon's I'm 30 minutes from Oregon. Mm-hmm. which is just west of me, a totally different world. I know dudes yeah. over there, they they played two games, three games, and that was it. So yeah. it's it's crazy how COVID affected different states different ways. Oh, yeah. Well, like Illinois, there was three different things. One, you had everything north of I-80 that whatever. Everything south of I-80, I know for a fact, schools in central Illinois were not doing that stuff. Football, mm-hmm. they were out doing seven-on-sevens. They were doing whatever, living on their own little world. Then in Indiana, right across the border, they were fully normal. And I remember in the fall, I had buddies send me a picture. Hey, I'm at a game with 2,000 people on a Friday night in September. And in Illinois, we have to wait till January to try to yeah. do anything. Yeah, it was, you know, I I had no clue. Obviously, I don't think anybody did. But, you know, I my wife always tells me I have an amazing ability to uh, never see the uh, sky for the stars. Um, I don't pay very close attention. I remember somebody asked me when COVID started, they're like, oh, is this, do you think this can be a big deal? I'm like, no, it'll be over in two weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll never remember that. And I'm like, God, now look at all the things that have transformed uh, because of it. It's right. just, it's unbelievable. But yeah, we were, we were very blessed here in the fact that we just didn't really do it. Um, you know, when we played in the state championship game, I would assume the majority of our coaches and players probably had COVID, mm-hmm. um, but nobody tested for it. So, you know, just people got kind of sick and didn't come around for a while and then they came back. So it was kind of weird. Yeah. I had it twice. The first time killed us. It, body aches, pains. My wife slept for like 14 hours one day. I would have energy for like three hours and then I'd be dead. Then the second time I had it, it only lasted for like four hours. It was weird like <clears throat> strange yeah it's kind of nuts how it affected like i i mean my dc uh definitely had it when we played in the state championship game and he sat in my office for three hours game prepping and my wife's had it i think four or five times um you know people all over school that somehow i've never got it and uh you know it's i mean i went and got the vaccine obviously when it came out but during all that time i never got it so again i, I think i got left out somehow which is a good thing right yeah yeah because the first time i had it we were we were those people. We couldn't taste or smell anything. I was like, I want to test this. So you put like chocolate and stuff on like an onion, took a bite of it, and you're like, yeah, nothing. It was the strangest nothing. of all things. I had it on the Super Bowl. Like the Super Bowl in that February was my last day of quarantine. Yeah. So we got wings, and I could not taste the wings. I'm like, this is stupid. I can't enjoy the Super Bowl. You can't taste wings. You can't taste whatever. And then my smell came back, but my taste was gone for another month. So I, for the next month. It was just trying to figure out. So I tried to learn how to drink black coffee and stuff. All you could 
you could just feel the bitterness and that was it. And then when it came back, mm. well, I remember we were coaching and we were outside and people were like, you smell that? They're grilling. I'm like, yeah, it must be nice that you can like smell this and enjoy the smell of a grill. I can't. <clears throat> That's funny. So dumb. Um, Nuts. Um, since you have coached so many different places, um, what was the mm-hmm. most time you spent? You said in the Carolinas was the most time you spent. Yeah, I was down there 13 years. Okay. Um, what's so different between all the different areas and maybe some similarities or like anything like that? You know, I, I thought, so I worked, I lived right on the border between North Carolina and South Carolina. So literally like six of my years were in um, South Carolina and I think seven of my years were in North Carolina. And what I was really shocked by is people talk about how North Carolina is a basketball state. It's mm-hmm. not at the high school level. It's totally a football state. Okay. Um, basketball is a big deal at the collegiate level, but it's a football state. Right. Um, and then you cross 20 minutes over the border into South Carolina and you're in an SEC state. And I'm telling you what, you talk about nuts for football. Mm-hmm. Absolutely psychotically loomed. All the stories you've heard. So I, I used to live right next to IU over in uh, Indiana. And we used to go to all the IU football games and, you know, they'd play Purdue and you're like, oh my God, this is a big game. These guys don't like each other. And you kind of look around and you're like, you know, somebody said hell and, you know, somebody kind of like got a little upset when the other team scored. And I'm like, okay. So I get to the South and a buddy of mine goes, Hey, I got tickets for South Carolina hosting Auburn. Do you want to go? And it's in the coaches section. I'm like, okay, sure. It's going to be guy you Purdue. Right. Right. So I get there. And the Purdue, or excuse me, the Auburn kids are coming out of the tunnel and people are throwing full beer cans at them. They're throwing <laughs> their backpacks, they're throwing battery, they're MFing them, they're threatening to kill them and everything. And I'm just sitting there, I'm like, holy shit. Okay, these people are serious about this now. Yeah. And that's what I think is, you know, obviously there was a speed difference. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we had a kid that was a laser time 429 um, wide receiver. Um, you know, we, we sent a kid to Clemson. We sent a kid to Coastal Carolina. We had a tackle that signed with Lincoln Riley to East Carolina. You know, we had really, really good talent, mm-hmm. but I think the biggest thing that I noticed that was different between that and the Midwest was the level of financial support and how serious fans took the game of football. I mean, rapidly lunatic level of football. Right. Um, and it was cool. It was a cool box check to be down there and experience that, but you know, one of the things I tell people is um, there's also an expectation to win. You know, yeah. if, if they're going to put that kind of money in, they expect you to win. And it is a little bit stressful, uh, but it does get you out of any attempt of being in your feelings or having, you know, having thin skin. Um, so I think the level they take football in the South is exactly what you would think it is. Right. Um, the similarities is whether it's the Carolinas, Illinois, Indiana, when I was up there, Idaho, Um, What I think I've still really noticed is, is the idea that you have to win in the kicking game, you have to run the ball, and you have to stop the run, really hold true. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, there's a couple teams that they bucked the trend, right? Like they were all spread, they threw the ball every play, they, you know, they didn't run the ball well, and they did win titles. Mm -hmm. But I think what I was most shocked by is that the game of football is at its core fundamental, so similar in all those three different regions of the right. country. If you can, if you can stop the run and run the ball, you're going to be competitive. And right. when I was in the South, you know, I had the reputation of a throw first guy. We were in the spread. We broke a whole bunch of school records. 
I moved to Idaho and I tried to do that. We went one and eight my first year. I mean, we got the piss beat out of us. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of transitioned to where we are now, which is a lot more, um, you know, kind of shotgun double wing, kind of kind of what North Dakota State does right. with some double wing <clears throat> flavor. Um, and it's just been a lot better for us. But I, I think all three, all three places, you know, really interesting. You've got, <laughs> this is probably bad to say it this way, but it's true. In all three places, there's a lot of coaches I found over the last 20 plus years I've been coaching that um, they win games because they have talent, not mm-hmm. because they're good coaches. And in all three parts, I've seen some guys that maybe go four and five, five and four, that sort of thing. And they are damn good football coaches, right. but they don't win as many games. They don't have the players. And so over the years, what it's really taught me is that consistency matters more than intensity. And it's something that I've, I've really taken with me through all these stops. And now, um, you know, I'll coach here, obviously, through my, my kids graduating high school. So I don't know where the good Lord will take me after this, but I'll be here a while. And I've just really come to understand consistency is important. You know, doing things the right way, doing things the way they should be done um, is going to get you more wins than just a flash in the pan. Right. And the game is not it's just not that much different. You know, I mean, the, the level of support you get, the type of the way people take the game, that sort of thing is different, but the game is the game. Right. And I think there's a lot of coaches that don't move around the country um, and they kind of get maybe that opinion of, well, I, I wouldn't be able to coach in Alabama or I wouldn't be able to coach in Georgia. It's all the other stuff around it. That's different. It's not the game. The game mm-hmm. is the game. And right. I, that's, I think one of the most shocking things I've learned over the last two decades. Right. Cause, uh, I, I saw that in like clinics. You can tell when you go watch a clinic and they're showing you what they do. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. You have a 350 pound lineman that's going to be able to move people. Well, I can't do this. My lineman's 215 pounds or 20 pounds. Yeah. Um, then there's some guys at clinics that will straight up tell you, hey, I had the dudes, but here's what it took to get there or whatever. And I watch those guys more than the other guys. Now, God bless those other guys. Like you've got it, yeah. whatever. But the other people where it's like, I'd rather go watch – I'm at a 6A, 7A school right now in Illinois. I really go watch the 2 or 3A coaches because I know what they dealt with growing up in central Illinois, coaching at a 2A, 3A, 4A in Charleston. Then you go up to the suburbs. Now we're a, my school is a 7A, but if you saw us, you're like, oh, my God, you look like a 3A team because we only had like 40 kids on a varsity team yeah. at a 7A school. And what I found was nothing against our kids. We have to coach more, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like we are really coaching more on being a good person, our attitudes, then the technique. And yeah, as a coach, you're exhausted after practice coaching it that way. But I wouldn't change that for anything. Like, because yeah. it makes me better because you're constantly looking, you're constantly doing this. I'd rather do that than I have five division one kids. Just go play. Like, just go. Mm-hmm. Like you could just, I could literally just draw up a play on the sideline. Just do this. And they go do it. Yeah. Well, I, uh, you know, I've told people before I, we won a lot of games before I came out here and those, those first two years I got here, um, we went four and 14 in my first two years here. Um, and we were terrible. I mean, we were like my, my 2018 team, I was praying to God that a meteor would hit my ass on the sideline and kill me. <laughs> so I didn't have to watch the end of some of those games. Um, we were outscored by 197 points, our first five games. Um, it was just, it was abysmal. Yeah. And, you know, I, I really think, here where I'm at now at Emmett, we have such a talent deficiency. We have about 680 students in our school uh-huh. and almost every Friday night, the smallest team we'll play. will have about 1350 this year. Jesus. Um, 
on average, we, we play teams in our league that have 17, 18, 1900 kids. Wow. And uh, that's just kind of the way Idaho does things because it's so sparsely populated and we're a rural farm community, but we have the, sometimes I would say misfortune of being only 30 minutes from the Boise metro area. Yeah. So they just throw us in with those bigger schools. And, you know, I, I was kind of sitting there in 2019 and we went three and six, it was, by the way, best three and six, like it might've been the best job I ever did to, to go three and six that year. <laughs> I coached my ass off. And uh, I just was like, Hey, here's the deal. We're going to have to be the strongest, most physical, nasty football team in history or we're going to lose every Friday night. And I sat the kids down in the weight room. I'll never forget it. And I said, guys, here's the deal. We're going to start winning football games next fall. And some of you are not going to be able to come with us on this journey because you're not going to make the commitment that I'm about to tell you you're going to have to make. And it's okay. You yeah. know, you can stand in the, in the, you know, the sideline, be in the stand, support us, whatever, but some of you just won't make this journey. Right. But I said, from this day forward, we're going to be a good football program. And I said, we may lose every track meet, but we're going to win every bar fight. Right. And, you know, we decided we we're going to become a weight room culture school. And from that point forward, in, the, in these next four years going forward, we're now 31 and 13. We have the second best record in, in our classification uh, behind a private Catholic school who uh, beat us, beat us this year in the quarterfinals. Um, and then they went on to win the state championship. They actually beat us twice this year, once in the regular season by a touchdown and once in the quarterfinals by two touchdowns. And to, to be able to hang with those schools, took a completely different style of coaching and it mm-hmm. took me being a better coach. I've told people, I said, I coach. And, and again, like you said, not trying to dog the kids I'm coaching. They're right. They might be the hardest workers I've ever coached, uh-huh. but they are probably the least athletic group of kids I've ever coached. But the rewarding thing for me is, is every Friday night when we line up, we know we're going to be smaller, less talented, slower, than everybody we play and we know we are going to physically harm you before the before mm-hmm. the night's over and you know we we do a lot of damage we do a lot of damage and, you know and, and it's kind of gotten around now people people think twice about scheduling us you know we jamboreed with a school um you know before our first week this year and they've got 2800 kids so you know they've got four and a half of our schools and our kids are like coach can we beat these guys i said in a four-quarter game no but I said, you think you'd lose 60 to nothing. I think we'll lose 35, 21, mm-hmm. but I said, it's a jamboree. So it's going to be a dog fight to the finish. Right. And we ended up beating them 14 to seven in this jamboree. And I think that really helped our kids understand it does not matter. Like I have to constantly preach to our kids. They might have 2,800 kids in their school, but guess what? They're in 2,800 in the A gap. Yeah. There's one block his ass, move him and let's go on. Right. You know? And that, that's made me a better coach. I, I think that there's a lot of, and again, I'm not trying to bag on guys. There's, I've got a friend that's, he's won four or five state titles in a row now. Um, and he's a hell of a football coach and he's doing it <clears throat> with kids that I don't think are that talented. I think there's, I, I always like to say there's no fraudulent state championships. Mm-hmm. If you've got a ring on your finger, you're a damn good coach and you did a great job. Right. But I think there's guys that sometimes have been able to lean on the talent more than others. And I think that if everybody that, has had to go coach at a place like you are, or like I am, or, you know, a lot of your listeners have, if you've gone to a place where it's just not good and you've had to build it from the ground up, mm-hmm. man, it makes you a lot better coach because you come to appreciate um, a lot. And, and I, I hate the cliche stuff, you know, but uh, we have to go to these T te- I run our weight room. So I, I try to tell people I'm not really a teacher. I'm just out in the weight room, but it doesn't <laughs> always stick. Um but I tell people all the time, I'm like, you know, one of the things that we talk about in education is build relationships, right? right? It's all about build relationships. And then it gets overused 
And I'm sure every one of your listeners is probably sitting here rolling their eyes going, no shit. I've heard that 10 times in a teacher in-service training. But here's the thing. That's what it is. Like we've abused the term, but it's about building relationships. The relationships we have with the kids in our program, they will fight and scratch and claw for us because we feed them every single time they come to the weight room. You know, we're a 65% free and reduced lunch school. Yep. We're handing out sandwiches to kids. You know, we're taking kids. We took our kids down and played a game in California two years ago, oh, 11 wow. hour bus ride. We put them on, we put them on a bus at 5 a.m. Mountain time, drove 11 and a half hours with one 10 minute stop in the middle, got off the bus, warmed up and beat a school that had 2,600 kids on their home field. Wow. And, you know, I, we do that and we take care of them. We take them on trips and we build those relationships and they'll play really freaking hard. Yeah. Uh, when you tell them, hey, I need you to play the fourth quarter like your ass is on fire, they'll they'll do it because right. they have that relationship piece. So um, I think for for those of us and those of your listeners that they've coached in that place and, and there's probably guys sitting here going, no, I don't know what that place looks like. There's other of your <laughs> other people on this thing are, are going to hear this and go, yeah, no shit. That's exactly where I coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when you start turning around and you start winning at those places, it's it's very rewarding. I would say winning here has been more rewarding than all my other stops because of how hard it is to win. Yeah. And we're kind of battling a little bit of the other side of the coin now because the the seniors that I have coming in this, this fall, uh, we just started off season weight conditioning this past week. They've never been a part of a program that didn't go to the playoffs. They've been in a playoff team every year they've been in high school. And it's really funny because Emmett used to be such a bad football town. They never went to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And so kids were always struggling trying to figure out how to you know, crack the code. Well, now I've got kids that they we have to fight the entitlement piece. You know, they're uh-huh. like they're walking around with playoff shirts. They've got all, you know, all four years on it. And I'm like, hey, a lot of people built the foundation that you're enjoying. Right. So put another brick in the foundation and don't be a smart ass about it. You know, yeah. so there's this kind of that new balance. Right. So, yeah, you got to like like learn how to win and then how do you consistently just stay there and respect it and honor and like all that stuff. Like I coached at East Aurora high school here and for a year they're low income, bad area. You know, you had some kids that might've been part of a gang that kids living on cars. You had kids living in a hotel room. You had kids that would stay after practice and we drive by and be like, are you going home? They're like, no, I don't want to go home. Like, yeah. And Thursday we had team meals. Coaches wouldn't eat. We make sure whatever we were going to eat, give it to them to take home. And Mm -hmm. that school had not been to the playoffs since like 1982, blah, 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 blah. I was there for one year. We made it. We were four and four playing a school. If we won, we went to the playoffs. We lost by six, but we went four and five. Best record since 2000. It was building. Then COVID hits, really set them back. Mm -hmm. And like we were talking earlier, I was an idiot that was at that school for a year. Where I'm at now at Addison – the coach is like, hey, I need an O-line coach. Can you come out here? I need a run game coordinator, you know, blah, blah. I took the job like an idiot. Like, COVID ain't going to last forever. I'll, t- I'll take it. And then mm-hmm. then there we were. Same situation. Walked in. Uh, hey, uh, you know, we have low-income kids. You know, we're going to deal with this. We're going to deal with this. But it took a long time. We went. We won one game in the COVID season. No games in that fall. Two and seven last year. This year, go six and three and make the playoffs. Win our first playoff game. Lose the second one. We go seven and four. Awesome. Same, same thing. They got the, the state title or the playoff shirts. They're walking around like we're in the playoffs. I'm like, hey, that's awesome. But what about next year? Like, what are we going to do mm-hmm. now for the next one? Because our weight room attendance was only this. Imagine if it was this. Hey, our practice attendance was this. What if it was this? Um, and we wore down teams this year. Like, we had 40 kids on the varsity team. 
a kid like Morton High School has eight thousand kids that and is in our conference. We wore them down and won the game, like just stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And we told our seniors, you built this as a COVID freshman where you only played like three games as a freshman in the COVID season. Now you've graduated and it's built. Now how do we continue to build it? And what's kind of churning is, and I feel bad at coach basketball too, now all the kids want to do is talk about football. You had some kids mm-hmm. not want to play basketball because they want to focus on football. And that's where I come in. I go, that's awesome. But maybe you should do two sports. Maybe yeah. you should lift and do two sports. You know, and they're like, well, well, but football and blah, blah, blah. That's awesome. But don't what happens next year if we go three and six? Yeah. Are you gonna quit football well, and just focus on something else? Well, and I, I don't know how Illinois is going because I've been gone from there a long time, but uh, you know, one of the things that that really has been distressing to me, kind of to take your point on a bit of a tangent there, um, is and this could be a whole nother conversation, is kids specializing in one sport. Oh, you know, oh, I'm oh. I'm trying to fight that yep. as a as a head football coach. Yeah. And what I did was when I came to Emmett, they didn't have a weightlifting program. And they were like, I said, okay, well, we need to establish a football class and put all the kids in there and lift. And they're like, why is that important? And I was like, oh my God, no wonder why we're shitty. Right. So, you know, we started zero period weights. So the kids come in early. Now we have them all in first period. They come before school, they start their lift, they eat breakfast and they go right into first period. So we have a longer period and you know, that thing's cranking. we got 72 kids in that class. And, you know, so we're, we're lifting, and basically the entire sophomore through senior varsity football team in that one one room building cohesion the starting running back standing there watching squats against the backup running back they're going set for set you know the whole the whole thing right and uh, we've had a lot of success but our other sports have not and so kids will come and they'll go well you know i don't know if i want to play basketball i don't know if i want to play baseball and i'm like listen why do you think we have weights in the morning well i don't know i said because it allows you to go play every other sport because our lift is done by 9 a.m. every day. Right. So you're able to go play. And they're like, why is that important? And I said, well, you know, in my opinion, there's two types of people that, that play sports. Uh, and there's two types of people that coach sports, for that matter. I think there's people that are tryhards and there's people that are competitors. Mm-hmm. And the kids are like, what's the difference? I said, well, I'm going to use a basketball analogy. I said, there's a loose ball on the floor. You're all playing basketball. What do you do? And of course, every hand shoots up. Oh, you dive. You get on the floor, coach. You, you dive for the ball. I said, okay, that's a great try hard answer, son. I said, I'm a competitor because I was born in, during Ronald Reagan's presidency. So I'm a damn competitor. Okay. Right. And they go, what's the difference? I said, if there's a loose ball, I'm coming back with it. You said you'd dive on the floor. I said, I'm coming back with that son of a bitch. Right. That's the difference. You're not taking the ball. I, you know, I'm five, six and weigh 200 pounds. I'm, I'm a little guy. I'm like, but here's the deal. I'm getting on that floor and I will do whatever it takes to make sure that loose ball is going to my team. Are you a competitor or are you a tryhard? And they kind of look at me and I said, yeah, it hurts. You're a bunch of tryhards. So here's the deal. You try really hard, you play football, and then what do you do for the next six months? You're just going to lift? I don't need you to try hard in the weight room. I need you to be a competitor. I need you to go out for basketball and set a screen. I need you to go out there and catch for the baseball team. I need you to go play lacrosse. Right. And I've done that with my own son. He's a freshman now and he's a football and lacrosse guy. So he doesn't have a winter sport. And I said, Hey, basketball or wrestling, pick one. And uh, he picked wrestling and I don't think he likes it, but you know (laughs) what? He has to compete on that mat every single freaking day. Right. And I think that, I think that we need to do a better job as a coaching fraternity of going back. You know, we, we always talk about moving forward and progressing and getting better. Sometimes we were right the first time. 
You know, yeah. we were right when we had kids playing three sports. I, I, I would challenge anybody listening to this. Show me a piece of evidence that shows and proves scientifically that a kid specializing in one sport is phenomenally good for his mental, you know, intellectual growth, his physical mm-hmm. well-being. Show me some data on that, because you and I could sit here and pull up journal after journal of, of peer reviewed information that says, no, specializing is bad. Play every sport. But I think we have allowed as coaches, we've allowed this narrative to come up that you need to be catching slant routes in a seven on seven league in January. I don't give a shit what you're doing in January. Go hoop, right. go play basketball for your local high school. That, right. I, that's just a soapbox thing. You can tell I'm going to get pissed over that one, right? Like I'm going to oh. get fired up now. Yeah. Um, like we need to play multiple sports and we need to encourage it. Yeah. Cause like, I don't know what other places, Illinois, I want to say since like 2015 was like the first time I noticed it was travel baseball. Travel baseball mm-hmm. became kind of big. I remember our quarterback was like, hey, I'm not going to go to baseball this week in the summer to go to the 7-on-7. Seven seven. I said, cool, come on. Like you're going to come play 7-on-7. Seven seven. That baseball coach didn't play him for the next week because he went to the 7-on-7. Seven seven. Mm-hmm. Calls, co- calls our head football coach. How dare you tell the kids to skip baseball and all this and that. And that our head coach drove to that practice and said, I'm here. What you got to say now? And like mm-hmm. that guy had nothing to say. And this head football coach I worked for used to be like a bodybuilder. So he was big. And he's like, what you got to say now? And it, that's when I noticed it. Then up here, it's, I'm not going to play. I'm going to play baseball. Mm-hmm. And I think a part of it might have been COVID because COVID in Illinois, you could play baseball normally because you're outside and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So it became this thing of, well, they could play in the summer. They could play, they could travel to other states. Football, you couldn't do it. Basketball, you could travel. Wrestling, you could travel. Football was the one that like you couldn't do anything. And mm-hmm. so I noticed since 2020, even it's gotten worse, even AAU basketball, this, this, and that. And then some people are priding their travel AAU teams over their high school teams. Like, well, because we're winning championships here or, or winning games here, this is more. And I'm like, I'm the opposite. I'm like, I think the community and the high school is more than that. Like when you drive into like Rochester, what are you going to see? Do you see the, the, the travel ball state title, you're going to see nine time state title rockets, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that type absolutely. Of thing. It's, um, a- yeah, it's, it's funny you bring up Derek Leonard. I was actually talking to him today. What a, what a freaking run those guys are on. Oh, I know. That's just, that's unbelievable what they've done. But no, to your, to your point, like I, I'm really lucky because I'm, I'm in a rural area. We're 30 miles from anything. Right. Right. But we play all these schools where, um, they're, they're dealing with that. You know, we're, we're playing schools. that got 110 kids out for football and that's all they're doing is playing football and, you know, or their, their basketball team is playing travel basketball in, in California. Mm-hmm. And what I've tried to do is I told all of our kids, we're going to take morning weights. And then we try to sit down the basketball and baseball coach and I sit down and build a calendar together. Mm-hmm. And we try to, you know, we try to not overlap problems. Like I take the mornings in the summer, we get up, we get the kids in there every morning at 7am bust out what we need to do. We try to get them out at 10 basketball coach takes them next baseball coach has the evenings, you know, football camps in July, two weeks. You know, they know when that is, they try to avoid those two weeks. It's, I'm not going to say it's perfect. I'm not going to say we've got it all figured out and and I'm a type a personality. And so are those guys. So there's times we get into pissing contests, but I think it's the adults that we've really screwed this up. We need to go back and reemphasize to kids to your point go win a basketball state title for your town. Put that banner in the gym that 30 years from now, they're going to have you come back with your wife and kids and honor your team. You know, that, that travel yeah. stuff's great, but it's, it's not real. And it, you know, my school in the South, 
the last school I was at in the South, we were we were a playoff football team. I mean, we were good. Right. But our basketball team won back-to-back state championships. And I asked one of the kids who played football for us, I said, man, are you really excited? You know, you guys are two wins away from winning back-to-back. He's like, yeah, you know, just winning and losing doesn't make that much difference anymore. And I said, why is that? He's like, well, you play six, seven basketball games in a travel tournament in a weekend. You're not going to win all seven. You're not going to lose all seven. It's just games. It's just games. It's just playing. It's just hooping. Mm-hmm. He said it's kind of lost the value of winning and losing, you know. And I just, to me, that's really hard to hear because I tell our kids all the time. I'm like, you know, I I put a hundred hours a week plus into getting a game plan ready to go play on Friday night, and then you lose, and you expect me to be in a good mood? Yeah. Hell no, I'm gonna be pissed. Right. I'm gonna be pissed, pissed. Like I'm not worth talking to. Um, conversely, you know, I put a hundred hours in, and you know, we our playoff, our first round playoff game. This year went to overtime. We were on the road. We were lower seed. We kick a walk off, win it. Mm-hmm. Fans are running on the field. Kids are hugging each other, throwing their helmets, sprinting around the field. You know, guys are crying. I'm like, give me a freaking break. You can't tell me that you can get that kind of joy in a damn travel league baseball game in Phoenix if yep. you live in Boise. Come yep. on. They're like, what is there, nine, nine parents in the stands who paid to be there? <laughs> yep. Versus you got a couple thousand people watching a walk-off field goal to win a playoff game. Mm-hmm. It's just not even the same. And and I, I think as adults, we just, we've gotten greedy. And I think it's time for high school coaches to kind of push back on that a little bit and go, mm-hmm. yeah, no, like your, your travel stuff. And I, and I think that because football doesn't have a travel league, I know we have seven on seven. My kids play seven on seven. Then they ask me about it. And I'm like, guys, you go do whatever the hell you want. It's not real football. So I say, go right. over there. Put the damn left tackle at quarterback for all I care. I said, right. just go play, throw the ball around, have fun, but don't miss a school event for it. Right. Um, don't miss a basketball game for it. Don't miss a baseball game for it. And I think that we need some help from our, our brothers in the basketball and the baseball community of saying the same thing. But I think that's also a problem, right? Like when I first started coaching, I was head football, head track. So I was coaching yeah. two seasons. Well, you, I'm sure you know, and a lot of your coaches on here probably know, if you're head football, head track, all the football teams coming out for the track team. Oh, it's yes. not negotiable. Oh, yes. Like it's a right. done deal. Well, now football's become for me, and I, I'm sure for a lot of your listeners, it's a 12 month deal now. There mm-hmm. is no real off season for football, um, and because of that, I don't coach a second sport anymore. And so all I do is football all the time. Well, so now you lose that connection piece. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the day when the head football coach was also the assistant basketball coach, and he also coached freshman baseball, I think there was more cohesion on that. And now, like everything else, we've kind of become a specialized culture. You know, I, yeah. I go to basketball games and shit, I don't even know what they're talking about half the time. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm so confused. I, I used to kind of understand it. Now, I don't have a clue. But, uh, you know, I, I think that's another one of those just big overarching society things that mm-hmm. we need to we need to get back to basics on that and say, we need to normalize playing for your for your local high school more than mm-hmm. we, we do your travel league. And plus, parents are spending God awfully large amounts of money. And I, I want to say to some of those parents, I'm like, you know, the five, six, seven, eight thousand dollars you dropped on travel baseball. Why don't you buy some team meals? Because we can feed a hell of a lot of kids yes. on Thursday JV night with some yes. of that money. Yes, that's that's a good idea. I'm going to tell my head coach that because he cannot stand travel baseball. He cannot stand all of it. He, he coaches baseball, too. He's the head football coach, and he's a JV baseball coach. He hates it. Yeah. And he's not afraid to tell people, like, my kids will never do travel. He's like, he's got three girls and a boy. He goes, they'll never do travel sports. Even if they're getting scholarships, he's like, no, they're not going to do it. And, like, we had kids, like I said, trying to quit basketball to say, well, I'm going to go throw a football around. I'm like, guys, we just made it to week 11 in Illinois. Do you, the last thing we want you to do is go catch and throw a football. 
Like, yeah. Just do even doing nothing. Like if you got cut from the basketball team and you just want to go lift, or even just take two weeks to do nothing, take two <clears> weeks <throat> and do nothing. Yeah. And they they don't well, get it. And and I think it can be done again to to give an example. Our our starting quarterback, he you know he's throwing ninety, so he's he's the best arm on our baseball team. Well, there's showcase tournaments he needs to go to mm-hmm. in the summer. Like he needs to go throw at those over in Portland, over in Seattle. Right. So what I do with those guys is I I require they and their parents to come in and have a sit down before the summer, and we have our calendar out, we have it up on the big screen, and they come in and they go, hey, listen, these are my non-negotiable days. I got to go this weekend. And we only work out Monday through Thursday in the summer anyway. We don't work out on Fridays. Right. So I think that kind of helps a little bit to give them, you know, the chance to go. But he came in and people told me when he came to our school, they're like, oh, my God, he's a baseball guy. You know, you're never going to have him in the summer. I just sat him down. I said, do you want to be our starting quarterback? Yeah. I said, okay, well, then there's some terms and conditions. And the terms and conditions are you need to be at about 85 to 90 percent of our workouts in the Mm -hmm. summer. Or I can't keep a straight face and give you a chance to be our starting quarterback. Right. I said, so tell me what your non-negotiable days you have to miss are. This blew my mind. He gets his pen and paper out, and there's a couple of them on a Friday where he doesn't have to leave till after we're done for the week. The whole summer, that kid missed four days of workouts. Our whole summer. He wow. missed four days. So, but it was a priority, right? Like mm-hmm. he he could do both. He could do his travel baseball stuff uh, as much as he needed. And he could come do our workouts. Now, right. he was busy as hell. And I told him, I said, you know, your summer's not going to be your own. But if you want to be a starting quarterback and the, the ace of the baseball team and have a chance to go to college, you need to prioritize. And I guess that's an example of it working. And I know there's a lot of times it's not that easy. But I think we need to – we need. And, and, again, I sat right with the baseball coach. I said, let's just be clear. Do you need him to go to all – he's like, if he hits these couple showcase tournaments, he's going to be fine. Right. You know, and they they worked it out. You know, yeah. it, it can be done if if the adults in the room will act like adults. Yeah, I think it can be. done. I think it's our fault. Um, and I know when I was younger, I was an asshole. And sometimes I would just tell a kid, I'm like, no, you got to be at every workout. Now right. I'm I'm in my 40s and I'm like, listen, yeah, I want you there every day. But I'm also understand you are passionate about baseball. And if you miss two days in the summer, we're not going to lose because you missed two days in the summer. Right. And, and, you know, and people ask, they're like, did you excuse those days? I'm like, yeah. Well, how do you justify excusing those? I'm like, cause it's my program and he'll make <laughs> up the work. That's why well, and and, it's none of your damn business. And he sat down and had a conversation with you. If he just didn't come, that's a little different. Like sat there, made it work. It's like, I'll make it work. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I tell kids all the time. So we have, you know, on Fridays we have early weights right now. It's at 625. It's a bitch. I don't want to be there. You know, it's cold. It's dark. It's Idaho, you know? And I tell kids, some of our kids come from up in the mountains and they're an hour from our school. So they're getting in their truck at 520 to get the weights. And, you know, it took two years of doing it. But I I told them, I'm like, guys, if I'm going to be late, a text message that says, coach, I'm running 15 minutes late, but I'm coming solves all problems. Yep. I said, you showing up 15 minutes late unannounced pisses me off. And right. there was a lot of up downs and a lot of punishment for a couple of years for us to get that point across. And, you know, it's just like anything else. I tell them all the time. I'm like, your boss isn't mad because you, you something came up and you're late for work. Your boss is mad because you just showed up late. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a difference. So again, I think, I think we're supposed to be making, you know, better husbands and fathers and citizens out of these kids. And, I think we can do a better job of it. And I don't think they have to pick between sports. Um, I think adults basically, you know, 
fussing at each other and not cooperating puts kids in the middle of that stuff. And I've been very clear with my admin. I'm like, if a coach in our school tells a kid not to play another sport, I think the coach should be, should be dismissed. Mm-hmm. I don't think he should be allowed to work there anymore. That's, that's my, and I know that probably sounds harsh, but you should just not, yep. you should not even be allowed to do that. And yep. I, and the problem is these travel guys are just, I don't mean to be mean, but some of them are freaking leeches, you know, no. they're just, they're just stealing kids away from these high school programs. And I think it's total horseshit. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, a story of it not working, I guess, is um, we had a kid last year. He was 6'3", and at the time, he's like 190 quarterback. He broke his collarbone sophomore year, junior year, came out. So it was technically a sophomore year. Progress. And then he lifted all offseason. He's 6'3", like 215, 220, just muscle. And we were like all excited. Mm-hmm. But baseball is his thing. Didn't yeah. travel baseball, does all this stuff. So coming into the summer, told the head coach, hey, in June, I'm going to be gone, like all of June, because I'm going to have all this stuff going on. And he talked to him, and our head coach said, hey, keep in contact with me. We'll, we'll make it work. You know, all of our camps are in July. You've lifted really hard yeah. all off season. blah, 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 blah. Halfway into June, him and mom and dad say, yeah, he's not playing football because baseball is his ticket. And, <laughs> you know – yeah, it, it sucked because then we're like we're put up in limbo of like, oh, mm-hmm. this was our quarterback, and now we had a sophomore quarterback come in, and we have to get him ready. Worked out, he did great. You know, like I said, we made the playoffs. We're like, look, he did his thing, fantastic. Um, but yeah, he just focused on baseball. And the funny thing was, I coached baseball at a different high school than the one I work at. There was a kid throwing way faster than him, and he's going to be rejected third round draft pick. And I said, no offense, this kid, if he said he's not going to play football. Okay, maybe I can understand it, but it was just about him not getting hurt. Like, oh, he can't mm-hmm. get hurt because baseball is his ticket. And I didn't blame the kid. I said, hey, I hope you get a scholarship. I hope you do whatever, but I think you'll regret it at some point. And I think he did already. I think already he's like, I wish I would have played because he came to every football game. It was on in the stands. And well, and I I love that story. I you know, I think I have the personality of a buzzsaw sometimes and no social grace. Every time somebody comes to me with that whole, you know, I don't want to get hurt in, in football for this other sport. I just throw them the number 39,000. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, that's how many Americans die in a car accident every year. I said, so if you don't want to get hurt, please don't drive to school, from school, out on a date, on any trip. Just don't use a car again. Right. Because it's the most statistically dangerous thing a 16-year-old is going to do all day long is get in that car. And the other thing, and I've had kids, I've point blank said this. I'm like, you know, you sit next to some 45-year-old guy in a bar and and buy him a beer someday. I said, you will never hear him say, God, I'm so glad I quit my high school football or high school basketball. I've never met that guy. No. But I've met a lot of dudes that, you know, like they'll ask what I do for a living. I'm like, well, I'm a high school football coach. And they're like, oh, my God. I just – God, I wish I would have played. God, I wish yep. I could play again. I wish I could yep. get one more rep, one more time. At I'm like, I tell kids all the time, you know, we get the, cause we're a very poor community. We get the, I got to go work. Yeah. And I'm yep. like, I give them the same answer every time. I said, give me your boss's phone number and I'm going to call him and say, I want to be clear. You're going to make this kid work during weights or workouts so that he cannot play high school sports. And I said, if they say yes, I'm going to tell them he quits and I'm going to go find you a job in our town where somebody will work with you. I said, because in 22 years of doing this, I've never heard an employer say, 
I will absolutely not work with that kid and flex his hours because he's playing high school sports. Every single boss I call, it's the same answer. Hey, if he's got to be at weight seven to 10, tell him he can start at 11. We have a lot of kids do irrigation and, mm-hmm. and things like that here. Yeah. Every one of those people's like, hey, you can get up early and move the water. You can come after weights and move the water. Now, is it going to be a shitty day? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But do you want to play sports? Get your ass out of bed. You yep. know, I mean, nothing wrong with that. So, yeah, I, I think that's a huge that whole that whole conversation is near and dear to my heart, just because I think that we've and I, again, I don't want to be overly dramatic here, but I think we're reaching the point in society where playing football is one of the last really hard things we're asking people to do. You know, I my phone's sitting here and shit, it's like a supercomputer in the palm of my hand. I can yeah. get everything, do everything, book flights, you know, just whatever I want to do. It's it's I'm I'm lazy. Um football doesn't embrace lazy it's so no. hard yeah. and i tell kids all the time i'm like god I, whether you start win a state championship lose every game you are a better man because you played high school football and i mm-hmm. said I, I honestly believe it makes you there's so many benefits and and the injury thing is i don't know i i, I hope to god we're finally putting that to bed you know the concussion thing was such a thing so many years ago how many how many times have we changed the rules and changed the mm-hmm. equipment and Jesus, I, I don't even give it a second thought. Both my sons play and people have asked me, they're like, are you worried about them getting hurt? I'm like, I said, I'm really worried about them walking out in front of a car. I watch how people drive, you know, and they yeah. walk to and from school. I'm like, yeah. I'm way more worried about them getting hit by a car yeah. than I am by, you know, getting hurt in football. Could they get hurt? Sure. I mean, my son broke his collarbone a couple of years ago and it kind of healed. And the doc, He had one game to go and the doctor's like, hey, we're going to clear him. This is his last eighth grade football game. If he plays, he's going to re-break it. I said to my son, I said, hey, do you want to play? Yeah. I said, you're going to re-break it, be in a sling all Christmas. Now, I, I want to play. He went and played. He broke it again. Um, he was in a sling for another six weeks. And people asked, they're like, well, do you regret it? I'm like, he didn't die. It's a collarbone. You yeah. know, I mean, what, it is what it is. Like, you only get to do this. You only get to be a kid once and play right. once now. Right. So, I don't know. I, that's just all a soapbox thing for me. Sorry, I digress. Well, yeah, I know. Like, I played all three sports. And I told people like did i get banged up in football oh you bet you did like my knee is still messed up my back whatever but i got more hurt and missed games in basketball than i did any other i rolled my ankle chipped a bone you were out for a little Mm -hmm. bit football i hurt my knee you might have took it easy in a practice but like i was back i made sure i was back Mm -hmm. and that was the difference like i'll make sure i get back in even when i rolled my ankle in basketball hey you gotta be out for six weeks two weeks later i was like all right i'm back what do you mean you're limping i was like (laughs) I don't like not playing or not doing something, you know. For sure. You couldn't tell by looking at me now. I've gained some weight since then, but you know, but but back in the day, you're like, I, I have to do something. Uh baseball, same thing. I got hit with a baseball at 90 miles an hour hurts. Football, yeah. you get a stinger gone in five seconds. That baseball thing, you're like, oh, and it's there. Football, I don't know. It was just so much different. Like yeah. I remember getting helped off because of the knee, and I was like, Nope, wrap it up, put me back in. I don't care what happened. I'm going. Steve, you got one leg and I'm limping. I'm like, I don't care. We're going back out there. And that's just because my dad didn't play football, but he's like, you got to make sure you go back out there. You're at practice. You're at this. You're at this. You go back in the game. Like, that's just what it mm-hmm. was. And then it was the same thing, like play multiple sports. Because they, my parents didn't, but they're like, you're going to play multiple sports. If that's what you want to do, like you said, if that's what you want to do, you're going to do it. And if I came home yeah. and complained about it, they're like, well, you chose to do this. You, <coughs> you cannot quit. Like, I have kids already quitting basketball. Like two kids quit basketball. And I'm like, I can't believe that you're allowed to quit even. I'm not going to question parenting, yeah. but I can't believe that. 
my my parents would have smacked me like bam you ain't quitting because then you're gonna quit your job yeah well my uh my dad worked in a in a meatpacking plant yeah. about an hour and a half south of Chicago, and you can imagine that was not a real pleasant no, uh, no. gig. And uh, I was a sophomore; I'll never forget this. I was a sophomore, and I came home from practice, and I thought I should have been the starting center. And there was a senior that was in front of me, and you know, I'm I'm gung ho; I'm going to get a chance to start. Blah 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 blah. I don't start, mm-hmm. so of course, I, you know. I'm 15, 16 years old. I'm in my feelings. I think the whole world's coming to an end. I've been wrong, blah, blah, yep. blah. Yep. And I'm just bitching and moaning, right? We're sitting at the family table. We're Catholic. We say mm-hmm. the prayer. You know, we get done. I'm bitching, bitching, bitching. Mm-hmm. Dad's sitting there eating, you know, just eating his food, not paying half attention. And I get about five minutes into this, like, monologue of injustice, right? right. And then he takes his fork and he points at me and says, you play a game, <laughs> I work for a living. I put food on your table. I've worked since 7 a.m. today. He's like, you're playing a game. He's like, if you think you're so good, why are you not starting? And I get ready to open my mouth and he goes, no, no, you think you're good. If you're good, they play you or else you're not half as good as you think you are. But either way, I have to go to work tomorrow and you play a game. So shut the hell up and be happy that you get to play a game instead of going to work. And I was like, well, there's that. Yeah, I guess that conversation came to a terminus real fast. You know, and uh, you know, I just I I think that I think that sometimes perspective is an important thing for us to learn, right? Yeah. And I remember I was going to say a whole other topic that we're battling is the freaking private schools recruiting kids. That's a whole that's a whole other hour, two hour, bitch, oh god, bitch fest well, because it's bad. Yeah. Well, and I'm I we only have one Catholic school here in Idaho, but unfortunately, it's in downtown Boise, and they're in my league. Um, and they beat us. We lost them 42, 35 week seven, last play of the game. They were number one in the state. And then they beat us at their place in the quarterfinals by 14, knocked us out of the playoffs. We've beat them two times that I've been here. Both times they were number one in the state and, you know, they've got a thousand kids. Um, 100% of them go to college, no free introduced lunch. Da, 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 da. You know, um, one of the guys that's a booster, he owns a $80 million corporation in Boise, mm-hmm. You know, they've got everything going for them. 160 kids out for football in a school of a thousand, mm-hmm. um, you know, and they're like, well, we don't recruit because blah, blah, blah. And I tell people, I'm like, I'm a practicing Roman Catholic. I'm an every Saturday night mass guy. So right. it's not an anti-Catholic thing. I said, it's a, it's an anti-competition thing. I said, they are not the same as my school of 700 kids where half my kids are caloric deficient and don't know how they're going to eat their next meal. And I said, the fact that the state allows them to play down in our classification instead of having to go up on a multiplier is highway rob. They've won 132 state championships. Wow. I'm like, give me a break. Like, you know, that's all their sports. You know, last spring they won every single 4A state title, baseball, softball, boys track, girls track. I mean, you name it. They won every single one of them. And, you know, I, I think that we're quick now, I, I'm sure, you know, I mean, we can point to all kinds of Catholic schools. That's, that's really who we're talking about. Right. You know, there's other private schools, but um, you know, there's, there's other schools where, you know, they don't have quite all those advantages. And so I don't know if it's a case by case basis, but I do know this Um, you go to their school, um, their boosters just put a $1.3 million facility upgrade together you know, new bleachers, turf stadium, new lights, grills for their boosters to grill out. I'm trying to afford, gosh dang, Subway sandwiches mm-hmm. so I can feed my JV team. You know, yep. we're not, it's not apples to apples. And I think yeah. that 
across the nation, states have to start objectively looking at that. Um, and here, I mean, we bring it up every two years during realignment and, you know, there's a lot of forces at play. They just don't want to hear it. They, you know, they want to continue winning those championships. So, um, you know, we bitch about it all the time. I just tell our kids, I said, we just need to go find a way to beat them because it's not going to change, but it's sad. It needs to change, but you're right. That's a, I'm sure we're close to the end of our time. That's a whole nother podcast. I, I could bitch and gripe about that one for an hour. Oh yeah. And I have to be careful because I have two or three friends that coach Catholic. They hop on here a lot with me. And I tell people, like, I'm not mad at them because they don't do any of the shady stuff. They do what they're supposed to do, how they're supposed to get kids mm-hmm. to their school. They do it the right. right way. And I'm not afraid to tell people those people do it the right way because they also coached in public school and private. They do it the For right sure. way. We know who show up to our youth games and try to get on the sideline with their IC and all these shirts on and, like, you know – try to recruit the kids while they're in seventh and eighth grade. Like I remember getting to Addison the first time looking at the eighth grade kids. There was these big linemen. I'm like, oh, they're going to be freshmen. I'm so excited. And I go over there. I'm not going to Addison. What are you talking about? I'm going to this Catholic school. I'm going to this Catholic school because I've been mm-hmm. told that since I was six, sixth grade. Then we found out yeah. this year because we finally started to win game. We made the playoffs for the first time since 2014. So everybody was like in shock. They're like, wait a minute, what happened? Because things Things fell into place for us. I'm not going to say until we had these Division One kids. They just fell into place. We found out that they were in our stands at some games trying to find a disgruntled parent and try to get them and all that stuff. And so in Illinois, they finally made in the Chicagoland area their own Catholic league. So all regular season, all the Catholic schools just play each other for the first time. And it's like three divisions or whatever it is. And we're like, cool, beat up on each other, do whatever yeah. you want to do. Well, then they get to the playoffs. Like we had a, pri- a private school go four and five this year, made the playoffs, won the state title. They just rolled through, oh, and it's not the same, it, you know. And, yeah. and I remember, like Rochester with Derek, they played a private school. Now it's a private school that's not like the others. They they they're not the others. But all you heard during that state title game was, this is the first time Rochester is going to see what a Catholic school does or this big competition. I'm like, do you not know who he is and what that team is made? <laughs> like, do you guys on the announcement not know what's south of I-80 and what they have done the past 10 years or, or yeah. longer? And they whipped, not whipped him, but they won. And I'm like, oh, this is the first competition they've seen. Like, do you not know who Chatham and Sacred Griffin yeah. and all of them are? you got to be kidding me. Yeah, And that's what we're battling. Yeah. Well, it's a, and I think it's going to become a bigger and bigger issue. Um, you know, I know, I don't know what's going on back in Illinois, but here, you know, we're adding charter schools. Um, you know, there's more religious affiliated schools. Uh, like I said, there's just the one Catholic school, but there's more religiously affiliated schools starting to open up. It, it's a, it's a huge Pandora's box. It's got to be addressed. And, uh, yep. you know, I know some states of North Carolina, when I was there, I don't know if they've changed this. They had a private league state championship. Yeah. Um, and you had to play for that in the playoffs. Now, Central Catholic or Charlotte Catholic actually had a deal. They could play in the public school league, uh-huh. but all of their players, I believe that this is right, they had to have attended a Catholic middle school, okay. uh, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, or they were not eligible to go play sports as a ninth grade. Like, I think there's ways to do it intelligently. Right. You know, if if you're saying, okay, Rich Hargett has to show that he was in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade in parochial school to be ninth grade, well, I'm fine with that. Because right. that's not a kid that got poached. That's a kid whose parents decided this is the style of education that we want to put our child in. And we've got a long-term commitment there. Right. I'm totally fine. And if that school beats our ass by 50, 
kudos to you. Right. Um, but it's hard, like here, um, you know, we've, we've got these travel seven on seven leagues here in Boise and this Catholic school has hired a bunch of those coaches to be their position coaches. Mm-hmm. Well, how quickly is, is two and two equaling four there? You know, now all of a sudden we're seeing all these kids, they play on these travel seven on seven leagues. And then the next day they're over there wearing that Catholic school's gear. And I'm like, <laughs> shocker. Same um, here. Same here. It's and, same. You know, I can't do that. If, if I go down and do that at the local public high school, that's tampering. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm getting fined. I'm getting suspended. I'm, I'm out of the state association. So, um, you know, and I've said this to people many times. Um, I'm like, if we're going to just turn high school football into an open recruiting farm, that's fine. Just tell me that's the rule because what I'm going to do is I'm going to be better at it than you are. And I'm going to recruit your kids and I'm going to find a way to win. Yep. But if you're not telling me that's the rule, just tell me, just tell me the landscape of the game that I'm playing, you know, and, and we've got public schools do the same thing. You know, yep. suddenly this really good kid shows up on their team and they start winning games. And lo and behold, you find out he should be at fill in the blank high school down the road where he just played for two or three years. And I'm like, how, how do you justify that at my school? There's nobody moving in. Like I said, mm-hmm. we're a very poor rural community. There's nobody moving into our place. Our facilities, our football facilities are, are adequate, but our schools, it's a dump, you know, mm-hmm. and there's not kids moving in there. Right. Yeah. I, I always tell people that I said, my next football team is in the seventh and eighth grade. That's, that's yeah. where they're at. Yeah. And the good news is I'm out in the country. So most of them don't move away, but there's sure as hell ain't any of them moving in. And, right. and then you get into these probably where you are. Boise is very similar, you know, 30 high schools around here in this metro area, kids are, kids are moving all over the place. Oh, yeah. And you know, it's, I think it's just one of those things where state associations are ill-equipped. You know, I think we have five full-time employees in the Idaho Athletic Association office. You know, they're not going to go out and do home visits and check addresses and all that no. stuff. You know, they're no. just, they're not. No. So once again, either make it the wild west and let's all recruit, which I, I don't want to be a part of. I'll, I'll be done honestly, yeah. because I, that's not what I signed on for. Or, Let's have a little bit more enforcement um, yeah. you know, of the rules. So, yeah, again, we, like you said, that's a, another conversation. Yeah, we, we we keep making comments about just let them have their own playoff, but then they'll get away from the IHSA, then they'll have nobody really tell them they can't recruit. And I'm like, well, they don't do anything anyway, but oh well. Like, IHSA has no leadership anyway. I really don't care. We saw it many, many times. Pub, public schools have, have just gotten caught recruiting, and they just get a slap on the wrist of like, mm-hmm. oh, um just you'll just won't have your wins for that year and they do it after the fact so if the playoffs are over like oh just vacate your wins and it's like well what, what are you talking about right they took a spot from a team that could have made the playoffs that didn't recruit and all that stuff and but the, yeah and i but i will say this and it's really hard for a lot of like because it's it's been done to us we're playing a lot of schools that have kids that have been been brought in from other places yeah and i just tell our people i'm like i i am a firm believer though in in karma um i do believe what goes around comes around Mm -hmm. if you keep building your team on recruits um you know it's that ancient what's the ancient chinese proverb you know it's it's really fun to ride on the tiger's back just make sure you don't end up on the inside all right you gotta (laughs) you gotta be careful um because you get those kids that you're bringing in that are sort of in that mercenary world yeah you know what's that relationship piece look like how loyal are they to the brand and what happens when their playing time goes away or they they break a rule you know i I tell our kids all the time, I'm like, you know, they, they kind of start to bitch and moan about how everybody else has those other advantages. I said, you have one another. And I said, you can't control that. And I said, I fall into the same thing. I bitch and complain about it too. I said, but is it inside your locus of control? If it's not, then you're wasting time. So am I. 
grab that power clean bar and put another five pounds on there because that's all you can control. So, um, but I would like to see, you know, at the, at the state levels, I would like to see the state stop just, you know, turning and showing their belly on this issue, you know, have a little bit of courage and at least attempt to enforce some rules. Right. But I, we it's, said, it's sad to hear it's no better in Illinois than it is here. Well, I, I should say this north of I-80 in the suburbs. I live in Naperville, you know, we're, we're way far away from the city. It is a Chicago land suburb problem. Like, you know, by Champaign, you've got like St. Thomas More as a private school, but that's not an issue. Like it's not, right. you have Decatur St. Teresa who sometimes is going to bring these powerhouse kids. In, and then sometimes they don't, sometimes they are losing to Tescola's and whatever. Mm-hmm. So like this, I coached at Charleston high school for years. Never did we hear about like, Oh, I'm gonna go to this private school or whatever. Maybe once in a while you would hear, Hey, we're moving to this next town that happens. But they're doing it the right way. They're moving to a town. They're doing whatever. You know, the parents are actually moving. So coming up here and hearing all this for the first time has just been a learning curve for me. And then with our youth program, which is a mess because all they care about is winning and all that stupid stuff, then I'm starting to see the private schools kind of show their head. Then they go to these trainers and they want to boast about, well, my kid went to IC. My kid went to here that I trained. Hey, you could go here. Because it's a 40-mile radius for these Catholic schools. They could get whoever. And sometimes mm-hmm. in the morning I go to work and I'll see their buses, their mini buses driving through towns just to pick those kids up. And I'm like, this yeah. – and it's hard for me to fathom because of growing up in central Illinois where if you grew up in that town, guess where you went? You went to that school. So yeah. up here it's hard to fathom the the suburbs and how we're all compacted and how it works. Like I coach at Glumbard East. There was an apartment building you split in half. If you face this street, you went to this high school. You face this street, you went to the other high school. And it was just That's hard nuts. to Yeah, it's hard to yeah. fathom for me. Everybody up here is from here or the suburbs. They don't blink an eye like this is just how it is. And mm. I'm I'm the dumbass coming in from the country, like, wait a minute. So we live in Addison, but there's a street in Addison. If you live on this side of the street, you're going to a completely different high school than going to Addison High Trail High School. Okay. This makes no sense. Like, why nuts. is it like this? Yeah. And so it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's not good up here in the suburbs. The rest of Illinois doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. They care till they make the playoffs. I'll tell you that right now. And they make the playoffs and they gotta face Loyola Academy or somebody. And they're like, wait a minute, this looks like a division three football team. And why are we playing them? Because they have a kid in Indiana that came over because it's in forty miles mm-hmm. and he's three hundred pounds. And I go, Yeah, that's not fair. It's not. Yeah. I, there, there's got to be some. There's got to be a better job of equity because the the reality is is you're you're then you don't really know are you crowning the true state champion. You know? No, are are you getting the best two teams in the finals every year? Um, you know we we played in the state finals in 2020 and it was a magical run. I mean we we should have lost so many times. I mean we we won on a last second safety. We won on a last second touch. It's just one of those years where you're like. How in the hell mm-hmm. are we still playing? Right, you know, and, right. And then obviously we played the the eventual state champions in the state finals, and and we had a lead, and then they decided enough was enough and beat the piss out of us. But um, you know, I I told our kids, I'm like, it's it's threading an incredible needle for a school like us to ever get to the state finals. And if you're a program that's working your ass off 12 months out of the year, it shouldn't be a situation where you say, man, we we almost have no chance of making it. You mm-hmm. know, it, it's it's. Uh, and I, I think what that does is it decreases participation because in our state, um, you know, you can pretty much, there are 16 teams make the playoffs here okay. in 4A and uh, we're going up to 5A next year, but um, in 4A and 
I can tell you right now, um, looking at next fall, I can already tell you who 10 the 16 are. It, it's it's done. Uh, yeah. I, I wouldn't even debate those 10. Right. Um, because they've got so much in terms of talent and resources and coaches. And, you know, we haven't even, tip, you know, we haven't even hit the tip of the iceberg yet when you've got staffs like mine. I've got nine paid coaches and I'm paying those coaches $2,500 a year, uh, which is to me a crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you're playing teams that you're like, oh, you guys have 22 stipends. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. And you're paying them six, $7,000. Oh, well, let me see which staff's better, the staff with nine or the staff with 27. It's going to be really hard for me to figure that out, you know? And, you know, I understand that's the way it is. You know, there's always going to be the haves and the have nots, but um, an attempt to at least drive by the idea of equity would be nice. That sounds too easy though. That, or that makes too much sense. <laughs> I should say that makes right? too much sense. Exactly. Well, I'll say that in Illinois too. We say that all the time, like, Oh, but we're about equality around here. <laughs> But Illinois yeah. has no leadership either, and that's a whole other non-sports topic. There's Illinois as corrupt as you could imagine. You know, growing mm-hmm. up there, you know. it's uh, the, the first joke is always how many of your governors have been to prison. I'm like, honestly, <laughs> I've lost count at this point, you know. Um, or the one we But have. I always do like to tell people, I'm like, don't piss me off too much because I do have a little bit of Chicago blood in me, so. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, of course. I mean, I don't, I don't. I mean, I live here now, I guess, but. I don't know. The people back home make fun of me. They're like, oh, you are a Chicagoan now. I'm like, no, I'm a DePage County suburb liver. I do not live in Cook County. I do not live in make, the city. Make the distinction. That's why I tell them, like, I live an hour and a half away or so from the city, and I don't drive into the city because it's a pain in the ass to even think right. about going into the city. Oh, I I have a flight in, what is today, December What is today? December 13th? I have a flight in 10 days into Chicago O'Hare, so I... I, I actually love coming to Chicago. Um, I think it's actually a cool city. Um, you know, my wife and I did a canoeing trip down the Chicago River a couple uh-huh. years ago, and you know, it's I I enjoy it because I don't have to live there. Um, but uh, you know, I always do cringe a little bit when I think about O'Hare and all that traffic. It's oh. always I'm a little pause every Christmas when I come back to see family. Oh yeah, it. I'm surprised I can handle. I don't handle driving into the city. I never. I won't do it. When we moved up here, I said one well, my one rule: I am not driving into the city. I'll drive yeah. to suburbs, O'Hare, okay, the Rosemont area, cool. Out uh, into the city, not doing it, you're doing it. So I'm like the only husband or whatever that's like, nope, you're driving. And I'll sit there and like, yeah, I'm not right. driving to the city. Not doing it. Because she saw where I'm from and I'm like, be lucky that I know how to handle I-88 and 294 right now. Like, be happy that I learned that. Like, I need my country road where there's no line and you just figure out which is the second. <laughs> like, you just figure it out. <laughs> Well, it's, it's insane, you know, coming, coming here. Um, you talk about culture shock. I was in Charlotte for a long time. Great, great city, growing city. Then I was in Greenville, South Carolina, you know, 1.1 million people in the upstate of South Carolina. And then I moved here and I've been here maybe three weeks and a kid comes up to me and goes, Hey, you want to see something cool? I'm like, what's that? And they bring in a wolf skin. They're like, Oh, this thing was, was eating our cows. So they got permission and we shot it. And I'm like, Oh, that's, insane you know and then i get to hear the stories about how do you you know how do you attract bears to your yard during bear season so you can try to kill a bear and i'm just like oh, shit um so now now i have the opposite problem right now it's uh can we get from this place to this place because of the snowfall or are there roads that are passable so right um i have i have the completely different problem than the chicago traffic now 
Oh yeah, if it's I build up my sick days just in case it snows. If it snows enough, I'm like, hey, I'm not going to work today because I'm not going about to get on that road. Exactly. And then growing up in Central Illinois, never a thought if it snowed, you're just kind of like, I got to do it. You know, it was. That's never- what I told somebody the other day. I don't remember snow days when I was a kid. You know, I mean, there'd be snow piled up out the window, and you're like, oh, tough shit. You're going to school. Get on with it. You know, and now it seems like anytime there's a flurry, we're out of school. So. I, I blame millennials. That's my standard answers. I just keep blaming millennials. Well, I might fall into that. I'm 33. You can. Well, see, you're you're in the camp, but present company excluded. I, I guess I'm in there. I, I like to tell people I like. I graduated high school in 2009. I was like the. I like to call myself the tail end of it because we didn't have iPhones. We still had the flip phone or the BlackBerry was big. We didn't didn't know any of it. We, well, my uh, my dad. I remember my dad telling me one time when I first started driving. I said something about the interstate. And he goes, shit, you know, they didn't have the interstate when I was a kid. And I'm like, what? Like, that's just <laughs> shocking. Yeah. And now that's happened to me because I said something to my son the other day about, he's like, well, didn't you just Google that stuff when you were in high school? I said, no. they didn't have the internet. <laughs> and he's like, well, you're pre-internet? I'm like, yeah, you need to shut the hell up. And then I realized, I'm like, God, I've become my dad, right? Like, <laughs> I'm, that that's the internet story. The internet yeah. story is the interstate story. They're yeah. the same stories. Or ask him what MapQuest is. Did you know what MapQuest <laughs> when that we had to use MapQuest or like actually remember the street signs or like, hey, the yellow house, turn left, and you get to the blue house, then you got to go here. Oh, yeah. I, he's mind blown when I tell him. He's like, well, how'd you used to get blue? I'm like, you pulled out a map and you yeah. had to like stop a couple times. Like, oh, shit. That's wrong. Okay. I got to go this yeah. way. You know, he, he has no conception of that. So. Oh, God. I wish we had Google. Actually, I don't. I'm glad we didn't have cameras and all that stuff. <laughs> no, I'm so glad. Yeah, my my point to a lot of people is our our generation was very fortunate that the things we did were not captured on oh, phones. Um, I, I'm like, I, it might be hard to have a teaching license for a lot of us if, uh, well, if there had been phones when we were teenagers. Because our kids now, when they get in trouble for that, that stupid shit, they're like, well, didn't you do stupid stuff when you were in high school or middle school? I said, yeah, and nobody knows about it. Nobody <laughs> knows. There's no proof. <laughs> Unless you were there. And even if you were there, I'm going to be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. There's yeah, no proof. Now, now they, they have photographic evidence of every dumb thing they've done, which is insane to me. Oh, it's already happened. There's like a there's a uh, bar stool account that's run by some kid and they'll just send them stupid pics. And then like, I had to send out a message like, guys, you realize if you want to play any sort of college ball, they're going to look at social media. They're going to find that. That's not your account and find it and be like, what are you doing here? And they may yeah. not like it and stop talking to you. Nuts. Absolutely nuts. Well, coach, I took a lot of your time and <laughs> we didn't even talk about half the things I said we were going to, but you know, it's just a bunch of other things. Well, I'll tell you what, I I'd be more than happy to come back. Um, and, you know, talk football and weight room and anything else that you, you think your listeners might want to talk about. I'll, I'll be more than happy to come back another time and sit here and spend another hour with you. I enjoy I enjoy oh. sitting around shooting the bull. Oh, yeah. That's why I love this. Uh, Coach, tell, Coach Tush told me the other night, he goes, I like this. There's no pressure. And I'm like, that's what I want. I want no pressure. Yeah. So yeah. I appreciate you coming on here so much. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you having me. And like I said, just let me know. I'll be, be more than happy to come back again. I, I enjoyed our chat tonight. So thank you very much. Yep, thank you.